Next step number 617, April 2nd, 2020. Two types of kneeling and the coronavirus on top. We'll be talking about all of that. This is Father Vazgen. I'm a priest of the Armenian Church, connecting the dots between the spiritual, emotional, physical, and everything in between. This is a look at life through the most ancient of all Christian fabrics, namely Armenian Orthodoxy. I'm inviting you to take a next step with us right now. Hi, this is Susie with In His Shoes Ministries welcoming you to our 12th year of broadcasting The Next Step with Father Vazgen. Since 2008, we have been producing these podcasts on a weekly basis for those who are seeking practical and deeper applications of their faith and spirituality in their lives today. There's no need to check your brain in at the door. Armadoxy is a practical approach to melding spirit and passion in the real world. These podcasts are part of the expanding vision of the Initiatives Ministry and provided by ePostle.net, apostolic evangelism for an electronic and expanding universe. So turn up the volume and get ready to take the next step. If a tiny virus can do this much damage, just imagine what mustard seed size faith can do. I'm here to talk to you about that mustard seed size, the faith that comes with it, what it can do in this very, 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 I don't know, scary, do you want me to say it? Yeah, scary time, unnerving time. I was, I just, I just came back from a meeting, a very sobering meeting. It was called by the Glendale Religious Leaders Association. And if you, many of you are, of course, out of this area, um, just so you know, here in Los Angeles County, um, we're getting ready in the next couple of weeks. This pandemic is coming. It's going to be one of the epicenters. And so we are getting ready. And Glendale, which is, you know, I think, 40% Armenian, 40%, yeah, um, has one of the largest infection rates in the in the county and sadly at the religious leaders at the religious leaders association meeting to talk about this i'm the only the priest you would think that you know anyway what well, i can't get into that i'm thankful that the archbishop sent me because it was just an eye opener but it was very sobering too the numbers the numbers of what they're expecting and they had um, people there from the the funeral homes, from the hospitals, talking and projecting what's what the next few weeks are going to look. And it's it is scary. It is scary. It is um, definitely the meeting. Like I said, was sobering. But I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk in a very sober manner today. Uh, some of the reflections that we've had in the past have um, have questioned a lot of. The way we are approaching this virus, uh, and I still am just amazed by the number of people out there that are just, I don't know, uh, brushing it off. Now here in, in the Los Angeles area, I've got to tell you, it is kind of spooky. It's almost like, what's that movie? Um, 
the the zombie movie. It's like almost like a zombie apocalypse, you know. You get out there and there's like nobody out there. But along those same lines, I was just thinking the other day, if somebody told you this story just six months ago, what would you have said? Probably like me, you'd, you'd maybe smile a little bit, maybe laugh a little bit. You'd say, yeah, yeah, this is something out of a, a sci-fi movie and a very low-budget sci-fi movie. One that you'd probably see on Friday or Saturday night in the middle of the night on one of the off channels on TV that made its uh, income by producing these um, these B-movies from the 50s. Yeah, seriously, seriously. I mean, think about it, okay? A snake eats a bat. Human eats a, a bat. Uh, the, the virus crosses over from animal to human. Uh, it infects the country. Then it goes on into a pandemic and starts infecting people throughout the world. And finally, what happens? The entire world is on the brink of destruction. Well, maybe we're not at the destruction, but you get the idea. You'd, you'd just say, yeah, that's something out of sci-fi. Yeah, that's like a, a cheap B-movie, right? You didn't think that this would happen. And here we are. Here we are. Um, we're down on our knees. And you know what? Um, it, it's interesting because it correlates this entire pandemic for me it has been an interesting uh, journey for me. Because if you remember, I was sharing with you in end of January, I started doing some traveling on weekends. I think it was all of January. And then but towards end of January, we were getting notices that, you know, there was this virus called coronavirus in China. And I think I, you know, the first couple of weeks, you think that, okay, it's something that it's out there. And we've been through this before with viruses, but it's never come this close. And what was the reason I brought up the traveling is I had a series of flights that I had to do uh, to the Oakland area, then later to Phoenix area. And every weekend, I would be on one of these flights. And the news about the epidemic, the pandemic, the coronavirus was getting closer and closer to the point that on the last week that I flew, the last weekend that I flew, uh, it was completely covering the news all over to the point where we're just standing in the airport and somebody sneezes or somebody coughs and you see that ripple effect among the people. You see people's um, demeanor change. You see them all ducking for cover, so to speak. Uh, everybody felt that tension. We felt that tension. And, and so for me, it's been an interesting journey because I actually was walking through a lot of the fears at the very beginning of it. Well, uh, thank God that my travels ended early March, and I think it was that following week that we got the word that, you know, that we're getting into this lockdown condition, and here we are dealing with this this virus. And you know what I said earlier, if a tiny virus can do this much damage, I, one of my dear parishioners sent me this, and I read it this last um, Sunday, just before we had this, um, uh, we we had a, a live prayer session. I'll tell you about that in a few minutes. We had some ladies who were praying and fasting, and I received this this message. If a tiny virus can do this much damage, imagine what mustard seed-sized faith 
can do. And so, you know, when I when I got this, I went ahead and I looked it up. How big is this virus? It is. It was 120 nanometers. A nanometer is a billionth, a billionth with a B, of a meter. So tiny, tiny, microscopic. 120 nanometers compared to a mustard seed. And it was interesting. It's the first time. It's the first time that in all these years I've heard about the mustard seed that I put it in a different context. In other words, think about it this way, right? We've always been taught that Jesus said, if you have the the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move the mountain. Well, we, we know that passage and we've always thought, wow, Jesus is really asking us, you know, just to have a little bit of faith and look how little he's saying, you know, the size of a mustard seed. But that mustard seed compared to a coronavirus cell, I mean, think about it. It's like huge. It's enormous faith, enormous faith. But what does that mean? I mean, we're still scared. We still have this fear. And, and, you know, two weeks ago I talked about fear. Last week I spoke of, or the, two weeks ago I talked about prayer. What is that prayer? Last week I, I spoke about um, what are the signs of the time. I guess it was three weeks ago we talked about that that idea of fear, you know. And, yes, that fear is feeding us. Um, how does this little mustard seed, what does that faith mean to us? Uh, you know, that fear, let me t- talk about that fear. I saw something horrible, horrible, horrible. Uh, you know, the Facebook medium is so weird. I, I tried to get off of it. I can't because it kind of plays into this ministry. People are connecting via Facebook. I don't know what to tell you. I tried to get off a few months ago and it just can't. Uh, and so if you go to my page, um, my, my page it's a com- combination right now of just mostly the ministry work. I think seldom, seldom will you see anything, a personal post, because it just, I can't get into it anymore. I can't do anything. And that goes for all of social media. I think that um, there's something about it that is just foreign for me. I, I realize it's a generational issue. Um, but, you know, I said a few minutes ago, I said a few minutes ago about people not taking it seriously. We are led to not take it seriously. For instance, for instance, um, the other day we were watching the news. It was the ABC News, 6.30, David Muir. And I like to watch this news because strategically in my day, it's toward the evening. It's sort of a wrap-up of what's going on. And the the reports about coronavirus were dismal. You know, they're coming in right and left. This is just like a few days ago. And the reports are coming in and we're seeing images and so on. And then they break to commercial. They break to commercial and... Um, it was i was lucky because i was in the studio and the studio recorder was recording the the news at that day so i picked up a copy of the news and and i i had ken just rip out the audio for the commercial i want you to hear this i want you to hear it get on the couch because this abc tuesday is off the hook isn't this crazy first it's a new connor's all about parenting and we both wind up raising kids alone i'm an alcoholic and you married a loser 
Bless this man. I mean, we're given this this news about this pandemic taking over, people losing their lives. And now let's break for 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 a moment and listen to, hey, the Connors, and they have a family crisis. And how did we do this mess? One of us is an alcoholic and one of us is a single parent. <laughs> one of us is divorced. I mean, why are these things funny? Because we are told they are funny. That's the the laugh track. You heard it there. It's right there. The laugh track is there. So the producers of the show have put that laugh track in there. In other words, when he sa- when she says that one of us is an alcoholic, you know, let's laugh. <laughs> How sad. How sad. You're raising kids. You're an alcoholic. And instead of taking a sober look at that, <laughs> let's laugh. And it tells you something about the nature of news. And I think that was the last night that I watched news. Um, I, it was just too much for me. And so now the last few days, what I've been doing is selecting my news via reading material and going on the net and picking out things that I want to read and kind of keeping myself current. And I'm saying this because I highly recommend it. Uh, the anxiety that news brings in times like this, during a pandemic, an epidemic, during times of crisis, there's an anxiety that builds up in us about things that we have no control over. Remember Niebuhr's prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change those things that I can, and what? The wisdom to know the difference. And that wisdom is an important thing. There's certain things you're not going to be able to change. There's certain things that require caution. You need to put on a mask. You need to social distance yourself, which I like to call physical distance, really more than social distance. You need to be able to um, have some quality time for yourself to to connect with your inner thoughts uh, because it's a horrible, horrible time. And more than unnerving, it's a scary time. And especially for children, you need to make some time for those beautiful children, just the same way that you feed them um, the food, because that's your responsibility as a parent, feed them, feed their spirits by telling them about, you know, about fear, about the power of this mustard seed that I'm going to talk about. But um, it's unnerving. It's, uh, yes, I'm not going to pretend it's not it is even when you have what you would like to think as great faith it is unnerving but here's the thing the thing is that we have to acknowledge that everybody's at their own places and so in a sense you also have to when you say social distance you need to distance yourself from people that are not going to be in that supportive mode This is a tough one, I know. It's a tough one, but I'm sharing this with you. For instance, um, like I said a few minutes ago on social media, you see all kinds of people. The other day, somebody is saying, is defending Donald Trump because if you remember a few weeks ago, Trump was accused of making, of turning this into a, uh, an ethnic battle, calling it a Chinese disease, a Chinese virus. And somebody says, why are you so upset about that? This is on the internet, you know. Uh, COVID, what do you think COVID stands for? It stands for um, Chinese, uh, let's see, C-O-V-I-D. It stands for China-originated viral infectious disease. COVID, that's what it means. China-originated 
viral infection disease or infected disease. I mean, they're, they're serious. They're, they're posting this. And then people are like, yeah, right on, right on. Who says who? Does anybody check these things? I mean, for what I remember reading, and then as soon as I saw this, I said, I've got to check and make sure that I read it right. COVID is an abbreviation for co, meaning corona, V, meaning vi- uh, virus, coronavirus disease, COVID. And the 19 is in reference to when it was discovered, namely 2019. COVID-19. That's what I understood, and I went and I checked it. This is what the word is, but... But you see that people are all of a sudden throwing out their response, their understanding. And, you know, you got somebody saying you got to wear gloves, you got to wear mask. Um, it depends what kind of mask it is. No, it doesn't. Put on a bandana. The other one's saying, you know, but even if you have a mask on, as you raise it, the small little, those nanometers of cells they could get into your bloodstream... And then the other guy, you know, just puts it straight out. And he says, for all the things that I've done in my life, I'd hate to think that I'm going to die because I scratched my cheek. Yeah, yeah, well, that's it. That's what it comes down to, right? It's unnerving. It's unsettling. It builds up anxiety. It builds up fear. And so the starting point where I want to talk about that mustard seed type of faith is really about that faith, about having that faith. What does it mean? Because I think that there's a tendency and for me, it's a fear among people, especially since I, I, I approach this as a calling for this. Uh, I am approaching this subject from my calling. I should say, um, I'm, I'm fearful that people misunderstand In other words, we turn it over to God and God will come in and take care of this virus. And I guess I felt that the most last Sunday. So there was a wonderful group of ladies there. Many of the members are part of our Bible study over here. and They go under the name Circle of Faith. And there was a worldwide prayer and fasting day. And they invited me as as a pastor to lead them in prayer after their day of fast. And I firmly believe in this. My whole ministry's been built on many, many experiences where the power of fasting, and especially during the early part of this century, about 20 years ago, uh, we led many, many youth groups in fasting, in planned famines against hunger, raised millions of dollars. And I'm very proud of that record because as an Armenian community, we did that. Millions of dollars for hunger, for aid to other countries, to other people. And um, I, when they, they approached me with this, I firmly said that, yeah, you know, absolutely. I would love to be there. And so Sunday night, I did my first Facebook Live. Yes, yes, me, <laughs> the guy who invented Armenian Internet, right? <laughs> yeah, my first Facebook Live. We've done a lot of videos on Facebook, but this was my first experience to just come out and say, okay, this is the way you want it, this is the way we'll do it. It would not have been my platform, but it was interesting for me nonetheless because I learned a lot. Uh learned a lot about how viral it can get. Uh, the type of audience. It's a, it's a, 
um, older audience as opposed to a younger audience that you might not find on Facebook. But still, nonetheless, the numbers were there and they, they said a lot. It was amazing, amazing. Uh, the number of people. It was supposed to be about 15 to 20 ladies who were fasting. By the time we finished, I think there was, you know, close to a couple hundred people watching it because people started having um, movie parties, uh, video parties, and watching it together. And I think at last count, I think as we're doing this right now, we're that that video has been seen by several thousand people. Uh, so it was interesting for me. It was an interesting experiment um, in this in the evolution of my electronic ministry, which you know began back in the 1980s. And uh, so we did it, and we were on there, and um, it was interesting. We prayed, and this was the part that I wanted to share with you, is that when I came to this statement, and I said it in there, I says, if a tiny virus can do this much danger or damage, imagine what a mustard seed-sized faith can do. I had the feeling that it needed explanation. Because so many times in issues of faith, what happens is that people come to it thinking that it's a magical experience. In other words, God with thunderbolts and lightning is going to eradicate this disease. And if you just pray hard enough, yes, you can move that mountain without exploring the ramifications of what that means. I think this was a few years ago. There was a wonderful movie. The name of it escapes me. It's a guy who has this, who reads that passage. And as he's reading it, an earthquake takes place. And all of a sudden that mountain, that mountain shifts. And, you know, it's very easy to attribute it to your faith. And maybe that's what it was. Maybe that's what it was. I'm not here to say that it's not. But it's not what I've been professing, what I've been teaching, and what I've been sharing. And that entire look at what that faith is, how that faith operates in such a difficult situation is very important. It needs to be spelled out. And I felt like I needed to spell that out um, as I was talking to the people. And I don't know how successful I was in doing that. I haven't gone back and listened to that. Uh, man, there hasn't been time to, to just <laughs> take a breath this past week. And I know what you're thinking. You're saying, good for you. Don't take breaths because you don't know what you're breathing these days, right? <laughs> remind me to tell you a nice, remind me, okay? Me, I'll get to it a little bit later. Tell you a nice little story I heard about breath, about a man and breath. But what what I'm getting at is that this is truly a serious situation. We need to take it seriously. And when we come up with this idea that somehow God is going to eradicate it in a in a mystical powerful way, well, where does that that language come from? It comes from our and I've shared this with you many many times, but I need to impress upon you. It comes from our understanding of faith vis-a-vis -vis, not by reading the Bible, not by learning it from church, but by the movies, by what Hollywood has presented to us. That, you know, the people stood there and they prayed and God separated the oceans and this is what it's going to look like and these are the miracles. This is the way miracles happen. 
And, you know, it's very important. This is why I say when you read the Bible, you've got to understand that it's in the context of the church putting it together. Like, did you understand that during the early Christian centuries, people understood the end of the world was any time. And so when they prayed, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, they understood that the kingdom of God was going to be enacted as as a power force, as a power broker here in this world. Not understanding that Jesus had said, you know, that the kingdom of God has been enacted by my coming. In your presence, the scripture is fulfilled, he says, in Luke chapter 4, right? In your presence. It's happened right here. And in that presence, that's where the church was. That's, that's, when I say was, I mean, at that time, the church was and the church is today. It's that same church. And so uh, these are witnesses. That's why I tell you, faith is more than just a few Bible readings. It's more than just the written word. It's Jesus Christ who has to be at the center of it. And, um, in understanding that, it's very easy to feel like, okay, it's some kind of a magical situation because the way Jesus Christ is understood, namely through the the movies. So understand it through the church. Understand it as the central figure in our faith. And so when you look at a pandemic like this, when you look at a crisis like this, you understand that Jesus gives you the ability to do so much. It's not about him coming and eradicating this this uh, disease. This disease is our doing, like everything else. And so the, the, the solution can be our undoing it, undoing it by, by the, uh, adopting or learning from these experiences. Can we bring a cleaner world? Can we eradicate poverty? Of course we can. Can we get to a place where people aren't eating uh, rats and dogs, are not uh, violating uh, their own health standards? You know, there, there are simple questions that have to come up, and that's the faith of the mustard seed. That's what we need to be focusing in on, that it's not just like, okay, God has given us this world, we'll screw it up, and every time we do, we'll ask for him to come and clean up the mess. No, he's already done that once, right? Jesus Christ came. It's not about this continual thing about playing a game with God. Hey, look, okay, now we've got a pandemic. Before this, we had SARS. Before this, it was Y2K. Before that, we had a genocide in in Rwanda. You know, come and take care of these things. No, it's in our hands. And that's the prayer that we take. That's the prayer that we make. It's that ability for us to become the agents. That's why the church, for me, is so important. The church is important in Christian theology because you understand we become the body of Christ, having the hands, the legs, the mouth. We are the ones who are able to do it collectively, and that energy and that power is there. And so this is, we were at a very important, um, well, I want to say this is like a game changer for us, isn't it, right? We have a different understanding we find our vulnerabilities. And in finding those vulnerabilities, we find an ability to look, to, to understand God with us, God being with us. That yes, we are vulnerable, and but for the grace of God, there go I. That's what it means. We're living in God's grace. 
He's given us all the tools that we need. Now it's up to us. If you're here to save your life, you will lose it. But he who hates his life, in other words, is willing to sacrifice, will keep it for eternal life. And that eternal life now enters into the equation. Because it takes sometimes a pandemic like this, a threat to life, for us to understand that what we have around us is not the end all, right? There is something more. And it is that spirit, it is that soul that's going to survive beyond us. Yeah, we're up against our own mortality, which is the hardest part. I'm going to get really into it in the next portion. We take a break every week. We do a song of the day, and it's probably a heavy duty at this point. So it's probably good that I do uh, the song of the day. Let me read you this little note about the 93-year-old man I was sharing with you a few minutes ago. After 93-year-old man in Italy got better in a hospital, he was told to pay for the ventilator for one day, and the old man cried. The doctor advised him not to cry over the bill. What the old man said made all the doctors cry. The old man said, I don't cry because of the money I have to pay. I can pay all the money. I cry because I have been breathing God's air for 93 years, but I never pay for it. It takes 5,000 euros to use a ventilator in a hospital for one day. Do you know how much I owe God? I didn't thank God before. The truth of this news, news can't be verified, but the old man's words are worth our reflection. We breathe the air freely without pain or illness. No one takes the air seriously. Only when we enter the hospital... Can we know that even breathing oxygen with a ventilator costs money? Uh, like I said, sobering, right? Sobering. Beautiful little story. All right, let's take a break now for our song of the day. Um, I picked something different Um I'm a big Beatles fan, and here in the studio when I'm doing work, I like to have some background music. And the other day I found this, these two artists, two sisters, Mona Lisa twins. Just fantastic. I, I went on a binge. I, I bought a bunch of their uh, music, and I've been listening to it in the studio. Just beautiful harmonies. Uh, they are YouTube sensation. I will put one of, I'll put this song on their YouTube version on the show notes, and then another link for you to check out all of their wonderful music. Highly, highly recommend uh, listening to this during these kind of difficult times because it kind of takes you back to a different time and you realize that, hey, even people today are appreciating something beautiful, such as the music of the genius of the Beatles. When I get older, losing my hair many years from now, will you still be sending me a valentine? Birthday greetings, bottle of wine. If it be now till quarter to three, would you lock the door? Oh, will you need me? Will you feed me when I'm 64? Ooh, 
I could be handy manning if you when your lights are gone You can knit the sweat the butterfly aside Sunday mornings go for a ride Doing the garden digging the weeds Who could ask for more? Lisa Twins doing, of course, Lennon McCartney's song, When I'm 64. I can't, Like I said a few minutes ago, I stumbled upon this duo, um, the Mona Lisa Twins. The other night, I was just l- l- trying to find some music to listen to, background stuff. And I, what happened is it went from background to front ground. I was so intrigued with um, the music, their videos, their creativity taking those rich songs from the Beatles and adapting them for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I'll have a link on today's show notes to not only this song, but all of the entire Mona Lisa catalog. Uh, I, I highly always tell you, I highly recommend that if you enjoy the music, do support these artists. It is a tough game out there with Spotify and Pandora and all this. You know, we need to support these artists. And this is a great way, great group for you to support. So do check them out. Out on the show notes. And this song is interesting, huh? When I'm 64. It's written by Paul McCartney when he was 16. I, I mean, what a thing for a 16-year-old to think about, right? I would imagine it's hard for a 63-year-old to think about, you know, when I'm 64. What about a 16-year-old? You know, when I get older, lose my hair, you know, will you still send me a valentine? Will you lock me out if I've been out to a quarter three? Yeah, wild song, huh? <laughs> it's a beautiful song. It's the genius of Lennon and McCartney. That duo just uh, shook up the world back in the 60s. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this song and this rendition of it. And like I said, do check out the show notes. And if you do like it, do support the artists. There's a black cat down on the quayside Ships lights, green eyes glowing in the dark Two young cops handing out We have all been infected and touched by the no coronavirus, whether you have the actual infection or not. You're touched by it, right? Uh, think about, um, think about just 2,000 years ago, how Jesus came into the world. He came into an infected world. 
and um, he took on the sins of the world. We are getting ready for Holy Week, and I wanted to share some thoughts as we get ready for that, not only about Holy Week, but how we're dealing with it, with this infection, with this coronavirus, how we deal with the coronavirus in our own personal lives and what we do. Because as I was saying a few minutes ago, there's people who are taking it seriously and people who are just kind of like, did you hear about the pastor in Florida? I actually, I was very happy that he did receive his due because it was ridiculous. It's one thing about subjecting yourself, but to lead people. If you don't know, it, uh, it was a few days ago, uh, on last weekend, excuse me, last weekend, um, he opened up his church and invited his people. He said, hey, the president said, it's okay. All of us come in. And so the entire church filled up with people. And this is in the middle of the, the government saying, hey, we, we need to have distance between us. Anyway, he was, he was, um, he was arrested. He was arrested for endangering people's lives, as rightly they should, you know. You can't just do things like that. But it's the basis for what I'm talking about. It's the idea that somehow if you pray and pray long enough and God's going to do his uh, do His miracle by parting the Red Sea like he did with Charlton Heston in the Ten Commandments, this is going to be, was that it? It was, it was, I think it was in Ten Commandments. It was somewhere along the way. They, they had these beautiful movies from the 30s and 40s, you know, Hollywood at its heyday. And these are the images that come into our mind and we understand God like that. Instead of understanding that God is in, is is what the scripture tells us. God is love. Stop thinking about him as this man in the cloud who's ready to come down and swoop down and thunderbolt those people who are bad and somehow swoop up the people that are good. It's not about that. It's about us understanding the harmony that we have and how we get along. And that's that's what, to me, is that mustard seed type of faith that can move mountains. That is the one that will overcome this coronavirus. But what's happened is we are now understanding ourselves as these players, and we start understanding that, okay, this seriousness is affecting us in many, many ways and in many on many dimensions. Primarily, we're understanding that all of the wealth that we have accumulated is for who? <laughs> we're not going to enjoy it if we're not here. So we now start understanding that there has to be more to life than the accumulation of wealth. And the body that we inhabit is an important body. It's the place where our soul is housed. Our spirit is living there. So that body is important. And we have to take care of it. And once you start understanding this, you start understanding that we are in this on this planet with other bodies. And those other bodies are looking for their same welfare and the continuity of the soul. And I think if nothing else, this is what the 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 one of the positive, I hate to say use that word, but I, I know you understand what I'm saying. This is one of the positive outcomes of this coronavirus scare, is that people are now contemplating the bigger picture, something the church has said from the beginning, that it's not about this physical existence, 
that there is an eternity in what you can do. Now, what you do in this life here also matters. People are saying, well, you know, you got to do these things to be rewarded to go to heaven. Well, that's fine and dandy, but Jesus can't say that, okay? Jesus is Jesus. He's the Christ, the Son of God. He can say that. For us, you leave it to the to the mercy of God. It's God in his mercy who will judge us and tell us who's going to go and who's not going to go. But it's not our concern. Jesus says this over and over and over again. He says, look at the lilies of the field. Look at the sparrows in the sky. They're not thinking about these kind of things. They're here today, gone tomorrow. And yet God tends to them, takes care of them. How much more are you worth? Do you have that kind of mustard seed type of faith? To me, this has been for us as Armenian Christians, we also have the added dimension that we have examples for this. We've seen people with mustard mustard seed sized faith through the genocide, right? I mean, what did we have except that little bit of faith? And that was going fast too, right? Seeing families destroyed, seeing villages burned, seeing the Turks rape and pillage life and, and property. And yet, after all that, to be able to sit down and to praise God for the life that you do have, for the breath that you do take. And so, in many ways, this coronavirus has now opened our eyes to something greater. I want to share with you my last Lenten journey. Uh, this year I did a, it was a very weird Lent. Started off very nice. <laughs> Um, and then coronavirus took it over. And all of a sudden we were, we were combating this, this tiny little 120 nanometer virus that we still don't know what it is. You know, everybody lives in some kind of, um, fear or what is it? In a natural disaster situation. I always think about that when I hear about people who go through tornadoes and people who go through hurricanes and everything. I think that everybody has a natural disaster that hits them or hits their area. You know, people up in the mountains, they have the forest fires that they have to deal with. And there's always a natural disaster. The paradise, the idea that there is paradise on earth is quickly shattered when you see that, you know, every community has its own natural disaster. And by, well, part of it because this is where I grew up, but part of it by choice too. Here in California, we choose to live with the natural disaster of earthquake. An earthquake is kind of interesting because um, it comes unexpectedly. You really can't, well, you could prepare globally, like huge, you know, like be always prepared. But when it does happen, two outcomes, you know, you either make it or you don't. And when it does come, there's really no warning. Boom, it's there. Things fall apart. And I was thinking about that the other day. This is probably why I'm having a hard time with the coronavirus. It requires a preparation where it's like more like a hurricane or a tornado where you see it out in the distance and you're saying, oh, it's swiveling, it's coming, it's coming. I wonder if it's going to come by my house. I wonder if it's going to take over my my block. You know, And so uh, in the case of an earthquake, we're not prepared for this. I was talking to a, a friend who is from Beirut and uh, she was telling me that during the war, it was the same kind of thing. You know, it's like uh, the, a bomb would hit 
and this is during the Civil War, bomb would hit and, you know, you'd pick up. If you were alive, you're alive and you'd get up and you'd move on. It's very much like the earthquake experience, isn't it, right? But we're not used to that. So it's difficult for us to kind of understand this this preparedness that we're going through as as a singular preparedness. And this is why I think when we look at Scripture, and we look at how Jesus talks about end times. What does he say? He says, be always prepared. He gives us the, the, the parable of the maidens. If you learn nothing else from the parable of the maidens, it's that you do not know when that time is. So what do you do? You are always prepared. The lesson of last Sunday is about Advent Sunday, the second coming of Christ. And you look at what does our church teach you? What is the teaching of the church? You go to the lectionary, you go to the scriptural passage for the day, and it's about God's greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two commandments, Jesus says, all of the law and all of the prophets have been based. Okay, so if you've got that, that's the the highest, the ultimate, right? Love God and love your neighbor. What does that mean as far as the second coming? It means this is what Jesus gave us at his first coming. Listen to it. Do it. Don't worry about the rest. Let God be God. You be human and love. Love unconditionally. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all your heart, your mind, and soul. And everything else falls upon it. So the best way to be prepared for the end is to, like the scouts say, always be prepared. We used to have a hominidmen group uh, in our church. These are the Armenian scouts. I used to love that little thing that they would do. The, the scout leader would stand up and he'd go, Badrast, which means, are you ready? And all the little scouts would go, Mish Badrast. Uh, we're always ready. Yeah, I love that. Oh, yeah. I just love that little, that play between the, the leader and the, the kids. Are you ready? Of course, we're always ready. And isn't that really the best thing that we can say as Christians. So here we are in Lent. We started Lent, and I've been writing this series called The Lenten Journey for 2020. Um, and they are available on the Western Diocese Facebook page only. I am in the process of putting them on our Lenten Journey blog. It's, I'm hoping that I could get it done this weekend and uh, just check on it. If you're not familiar with it, we have the Lenten Journeys from uh, previous years. They're all archived there, and this will be year number 20, 2020. But I want to read for you the Lenten Journey entry for tomorrow. That's right, you're listening to this on Thursday. Most of you in the world will probably be listening to this Friday, which is okay, right? So I can say it's for today, but... Actually, to me, today, to me, I still got one more day of Lent. So this is what I wrote for tomorrow, and I want to just share it with you pre, pre-world premiere, okay? Every journey begins with a single step, but not all end in such a solitary manner. Some journeys are but a few steps inside a longer travel toward a broader destination. So it is with the Lenten journey, an annual trek which 
revitalizes and strengthens our resolve to walk the journey of life. The 40 days of Lent have come and gone this year, but not without incident. This journey was marred by a pandemic which brought the world to its knees. We have been humbled by the menace that this virus can bring. With the lessons of this journey fresh in our minds and in our hearts, we understand that coming to our knees before God is not out of fear. Rather, we acknowledge the power of good over evil and how we, his creations, are invited to create and articulate our life as an individual and collectively for the community. We find the beauty of life, the expressions of love, and care amidst the horrors. The last stop in the Lenten journey is to understand that worship, Sunday to Sunday, day to day, is our personal commitment to the lesson of these 40 days. Through Jesus Christ, we are reconciled with God and all of creation. Life is in our hands and God is with us always. And that's how I concluded Lenten Journey 2020 because, yeah, it didn't start off like this. And yet, at the end of it, we've taken a few detours. So how about this analogy? You get into your car and you're going to go someplace. And along the way, you get a flat tire. And then a little bit farther along, you run into a detour, which takes you through some mountain passes. And you get to stop at a small little village in there. And in that village, you gas up for an exorbitant amount of money. You talk to some locals over there about the economy and what's going on. And then you finally get back on the main freeway and you reach your destination when you get to that destination you sit with the loved ones that you're coming to visit and what happens do you just say i made it here no you say i made it here but along the way i had a flat tire i was rerouted i had to go through the mountain pass i did stop off for gas at an exorbitant price i did sit with some locals and i did talk about some of the events you'd be surprised the way they live and what their concerns are about and then i came here in other words the journey has gone off course and that changes us as well it gives us an opportunity for reflection that's what coronavirus has done to us, okay? If you're going to walk away and just say, oh, this is just a horrible thing, it's your business. But here's an opportunity for you to look at this. How does this affect my life? Does it put me in closer communication with God? Do I now start seeing things differently? Do I understand that, yes, I am up against my own mortality, that one day, whether it's corona or something else, it's going to be over. And what do I get to take with me? What are the values that I have in my life? So all of a sudden, we're engaged in this this other dialogue. And this is why I wrote this, because unfortunately, it takes things like this. The coronavirus brought us to our knees. That's an ugly thing that brought us to our knees. God is a beautiful thing. And he brings us to our knees as well. That's what worship is. 
Can you come on your knees right now to thank God for the breath you take, for the life you live? The worship is our acknowledgement of something greater than ourselves. Not a small little 120 nanometer little cell, but here is something that really can change the way we live and interact, namely the power of love. So there's two ways of kneeling, two ways of kneeling. One is an evil kneeling, and the other one is one that we have gotten into the practice of doing. And at this end of this Lenten season, on this last day of Lent, imagine that we've gone through 40 days, and at the end of it, where do we, where do we end up? We end up at worship, acknowledging something greater than ourselves. Our eyes have been opened. We've been born again, so to speak. And yeah, there are difficulties ahead of us. Right here in America, and I know many of you throughout the world are at different phases of it. We've been told that in the next two weeks to get exp- to um, to prepare for the worst of it, for this pandemic, the worst of it. And so it's that fear, it's that what are we going to do feeling, how do we prepare for it, that anxiety that builds up. But... You can look at it as an instrument of faith, as one that tells us that, yes, despite these difficulties, I now have the power, the ability to rise to the occasion and take advantage of this situation. Broadening my horizons to be able to say that, yes, my life is not just this physical existence. I need to put a few things in order. I need to reconcile with people. I need to love. I need to have compassion. And these things that I do are not things that I end with the virus, but they become a pattern of my life forever. Very similar to, you know, the, that beautiful story by Charles Dickens, The Christmas Carol, right? Okay, this is the way your life is, and, and uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, he asks the, um, I, I believe it's the ghost of the future, is this what is to come, or is this what might come if I don't change my ways? And basically we are given that Ebenezer Scrooge moment at this time in our lives. To examine, to examine our lives, where we're at, what does it mean, and in what state are we going to come to our knees? Are we going to let coronavirus bring us to our knees, or do we willingly come before God on our knees to thank and to treasure this beautiful thing called love? And those of you who are parents know that that love is a very special thing, the way you look at your children and help them no matter what you're there as their defender as their advocate as the one who's going to make sure that they they rise and that's your heavenly father in heaven who looks at us and knows that we're his children crying out and so when you say thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven you need to relinquish and say it is his will may it be blessed It's a difficult one, and I'm not promising you that it's easy, but think of it this way. You're up against Holy Week, one of the greatest times of the year to really really focus in 
on what your faith is about. And trust me, if you if we can get together and go through these next few weeks, you know, we turn out we come out on the other end much stronger, stronger people, more resilient. But it's gonna be a tough battle is where we need to hang on to one another, hang on to God and to the beautiful message of love that he shares with us. Let me come back for some announcements before we end. Hi, Susie here again, reminding you that the next step is made possible through your prayers and generous donations. We invite you to check out our extensive archive about applied spirituality and Christianity for just about every life situation. You'll find past podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Blueberry, and of course at the In His Shoes website. We're proud to have these podcasts available to our worldwide audience, with listeners added daily. To become a partner of this ministry, please consider donating by pressing on the Donate button on our website. Your monetary contributions goes to maintain and further this dynamic mission, bringing the message of Armadoxy into the lives of a waiting world. Let us know if you'd like to sponsor a series of podcasts by dropping us a note at feedback at epostle.net. That's epostle with an E. Apostolic Evangelism for an Electronic World. .net. We now return to this week's Next Step with Father Vazgen. Thank you, Susie, for that announcement. And thank you, all of you, for your support, for your love, for your generous, generous compliments and beautiful words of encouragement during this very, very difficult time. Thank you very much. God bless you. And i got to be honest with you, I really needed to hear so much of that this week. It has been rough, to say the least. But I know God works through many people. And I felt his presence in the beautiful comments, in the beautiful uh, support that you've been passing along to me. Yes, we are up against Holy Week. We are going to be doing it all virtually. My best response to you is, how do you hook up to us, is to go to the Western Diocese Facebook page. Now, I'm going to put a link on today's show notes. I have been told that even if you don't have Facebook, this link will actually broadcast all of our um, all of our um, streams. What you need to do is when you follow this link, you'll be taken to the Diocesan website or, or Facebook page, excuse me, and then um, you scroll down just a little bit and you should see it. The times for it, of course, Sunday is Palm Sunday, 10.30 uh, a.m., and that's Pacific time wherever you are in the world, Pacific time, because of the daylight right now, is uh, Greenwich Mean or Universal Coordinated Time, minus seven hours. So you do the math, you do the, the, you figure it out, you'll know when we're on live. And of course, everything that gets streamed is also available afterwards for viewing as part of the archive. That's on Palm Sunday. Uh, we're working out arrangements to do the Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, but they will all be streamed. And I think there's something really, really special for Thursday night. I, I, I'm hoping that we're going to be able to do it. Basically, a virtual foot feet washing. I, I don't know. It's, it's up in the air. We're praying about it, and I'm hoping that that's going to work out. Meanwhile, please, please stay safe. 
Do not go outside. Do not breathe air that is compromised, that you don't know what it's about. If you can, don't go out and shop. Try to get everything delivered or somebody uh, get some help. Don't be scared to call for help if you need help, okay? These are the small little advices in the help yourself department. Listen, I do check out our show notes because we have a lot of stuff. We do also have the 168, WD-168 for this week, news from this week. And Archbishop Derderian, because Sunday happens to be um, Palm Sunday, it's also the Day of the Children. And of course, we don't have a procession this year. We don't have any physical activities bringing the children together. He has produced a book of children's prayers, and he recites them actually online. But if you want a, a copy of this book, it is free for the downloading. You just need to go, and I'll put a link on today's show notes. Download this book; you'll love it. It's a it's prayers for little kids in Armenian and in English. Just follow along. Yes, speaking of language, it seems like our sermons are now being translated into sign and. Uh, I'm, Bizarre to me. You know, it was American Sign Language at first. Now it's Armenian Sign Language. Pretty wild, huh? Anyway, not for God. That's what I've been talking about today. This is the mustard seed-sized faith that we have to believe in. I want to thank you for joining us. I want to thank all of those people who've been reaching out and who've been helping out. I want to give a special shout out to the to the ladies at the Circle of Faith. I, I can't thank you enough for honoring me uh, to be with you on that day, to share the prayer, to share words with you. It was a blessing. It was a true blessing. And I look forward to other opportunities to share God's love with us. That does it for our show today. I hope you enjoyed the show, and most of all, I hope that you were blessed by it. On behalf of the wonderful crew who put today's show together, do drop us a line if you can. I would love to hear from you. My address is feedback, one word, feedback, at epostle.net. That's apostolic with an E, apostolic evangelism for an electronic and expanded. So as I was saying, on behalf of Susie, our producer, Ken, our technical director, this is Father Voskin, inviting you to join us again next week when we will take the next. And now here's the fine print. The information and comments presented within this podcast and our website do not necessarily represent the views of the Armenian Church hierarchy, but are presented as a challenge to define the dynamics of Armenian Orthodoxy in all aspects of life. Listening to these shows is habit-forming. Addictive behavior associated with the next step is rarely, if ever, remedied. Rather, the next step is known to relieve and cure common cases of narrow-mindedness, prejudice, numbskulledness, and glaucoma in patients over the age of 20. Results may vary depending on credit rating. Findings are based on double-blind studies conducted in Istanbul and Jerusalem. Side effects include mind expansion, clarity of focus, higher rates of heart palpitations, sensitivity to the pain of others, and occasional nausea. Demandment and production crew of epostle.net take full responsibility for changes you will experience. Not valid with any other offer. Mm-hmm. That's me! That's me!